Good morning. My name is Chris McDaniel, and welcome to the daily podcast here at Trinity. I'm going to read a passage from Matthew 26, and then we'll pray and see what we can see in the Word of God this Monday. But first, let's read. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. And then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, Could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and then we're going to just dive in and see what we can see as we reflect together in the word of God. Holy Spirit, we ask for your grace to look into the Word of God, the Bible today. We pray that we would hear not just Jesus' words in the Gospel, Lord, but we pray that we would hear his heart in the garden. Lord, we pray that you would give us a, a way, even in our own lives, of looking at grief and sorrow and loss and how those things are meant to expand us. We pray for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Garden of Gethsemane is really uncomfortable uh, for a lot of Christians, especially Christians who grew up thinking of Jesus as Superman. Uh, Here we see a portrait of our Savior in a place of deep pain, a a place of deep sorrow and loss. Uh, The cross is looming in front of him, and he asks his friends to sit with him, to pray with him. And I think the the phrase, uh, sit here while I go over there, and pray is actually a really important way to understand Jesus's heart because there are times in your life, just like it, it was true in the life of Jesus, where certain trials and certain griefs have to be born alone. And if we're honest, we, like Jesus, uh, don't want to fight certain battles by ourselves. I think of it this way when I think of the uh, sit here to my friends while I go over there and face this grief. I think of it this way. There are some spots that are so tight that they will fit only you. My mind goes to a, a scene from the uh, Tolkien book, The Hobbit, where the Hobbit was alone in a tunnel, and at the end of that tunnel, down at the bottom under a mountain, was a giant dragon. And he was going down the tunnel to try to steal something from under this massive dragon, this violent creature, and he was terrified. And he stopped dead in his tracks. And Tolkien says it so beautifully. He says the the greatest battle he ever fought, he fought alone in that tunnel. That one victory, just putting a foot in front of another, moving forward alone, actually set up all the subsequent victories and all the battles in the future that he would ever face. Here, Jesus goes alone and faces uh, the, the deepest, darkest pain. And he does it by himself. 
And this just reminds me that if it was true for Jesus, it's true for me, that there are certain spaces that your friends can't uh, help you in. There are certain places that you have to go alone before God. Jesus wanted his friends to stay engaged, and they struggled. He was facing something over there while his friends were meant to be uh, alert at a distance. And speaking of alert at a distance, I, I, I just think of Peter and James and John falling asleep three times. Jesus asked them to sit and pray and to be with him in his pain, even though there was space between them and Jesus, and they weren't able to do it. And it's made me think about the, the sleepiness that's associated with grief and uncertainty. Uh, y'all, grief has a way of numbing us, of, of kind of lulling us to sleep. C.S. Lewis in his book of grief observe liken grief to being concussed or being drunk just you're not quite like you should be you're a little dull around the edges and so when peter and james and john fall asleep i think it makes perfect sense that they were also afraid they were also uncertain and they didn't know how to remain vigilant it's got me about vigilance um their inability to stay awake uh just reminds me that peter james and john had probably been in a place of hypervigilance. Uh, Jesus, this darkness growing around him and them trying to be awake and alert and to stick with him. And, and when we're hypervigilant, it, it reminds us that we can't sustain that vigilance over long periods of time. I think right now, in the midst of this pandemic, many of us are experiencing uh, burnout uh, from having remained vigilant or attempting to remain vigilant for far too long. It's for me on a very personal level, this is a, a kind of mental, emotional burnout unlike anyone I've ever experienced before. We, we just can't sustain at such a high space. Grief and uncertainty, when it combines with a need to be vigilant, uh, put us to sleep, just like was true with James and John um, and Peter. But when Jesus is over there in that place of uncertainty, it, it's, it's instructive to me that he asks whether there's another way. And when I think about Jesus, the Savior, asking the Father, is there any other way for us to get through this? I think he sees the cross and then he says, God, is there another way? If it, if it was understandable for Jesus to ask that, of course it makes sense for you and me to ask if there's another way. Guys, we don't want to go down the darkest, hardest roads. And it's normal for us to inquire whether there's another way forward. But Jesus ultimately says, not my will, not what I want, but what you want. And I think this gets to the heart of the matter. Submission is the key invitation for us when we're confronted with grief and loss. When Jesus says, yet not what I want, but what you want, what he's doing in that moment is surrendering. He is ceasing the struggle He's not looking for another way out. At that point, he resolves there's only one way forward. There's only one way through this. And you uh, may be facing a similar situation right now where you recognize I've knocked on every door, but there's only one way forward. And what Jesus does in this moment when he surrenders, submits to the way forward, is he's actually not uh, engaging in a kind of defeated resignation. He's not being fatalistic. He's simply bending his knee, and then he gets up and he does what he has to do. And I think that for many of us, we come to these critical junctures in life where we've explored all of our options, and then one option starts to feel more and more inevitable. That's the moment where I believe God invites us to surrender. But before we get there, 
we are prone to bargaining and negotiating. And bargaining and negotiating, always looking for an alternative, that, that's as exhausting as the hypervigilance we just discussed. See, what Jesus is able to do in this moment is trust his father because he experienced a living relationship. He had an experience with his father and he could trust that experience. He could trust the bond in the nature of the relationship because that nature and the relationship had been explored and it could be trusted. It could be depended upon. But here's the challenge for you and me when we face seasons of uncertainty it's often at critical moments. It's, it's often when we come to those forks in the road, those uh, inflection points where we realize that there's work to be done, that we're lacking in trust. It's not easy for us just to say, like Jesus said, I trust you. A lot of times when I'm faced with crisis and I'm looking for another way out, I actually realize in that moment that I don't trust God like I thought I did. So what do we do when that happens? Do we just give up? Do we just say, well, I guess I'm doomed to fail in my own strength? No. I believe that this is where we're supposed to fall forward. If you think about Peter, when he was at his critical moment, when he betrayed Jesus, denied him three times, Peter didn't die in that place of defeat. He wasn't resigned to that defeat. What he did was he went outside. He got up. He removed himself from that place, and he repented. He asked God for forgiveness. And God healed him. I think of the father in, I think it's Mark, um, maybe in more than one gospel, who had the son possessed by an evil spirit. And when Jesus asked the father if he believed that he could do something for his son, the father said maybe the truest words that a human says in the New Testament. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. What he did is probably what you need to do, what I know I need to do. He needs to, we need to admit that we're a mixed bag. There are parts of us that really want to trust. And then when the critical moment comes, we realize we've still got work to do. Y'all, there's no time like the present. I know it's hard when you're in a a place, a crucible place, a, a painful place, an uncertain place to realize Oh God, I don't trust you like I thought that I I did. I, I don't have the the basis of trust that I wanted to believe that I had. And yet it is what it is. We are where we are. And I believe the Lord invites us to acknowledge in this space that there's no time like the present to begin to take ground in our trust relationship with God. I believe that your investment, my investment in my relationship with God, the cultivation of trust is critical for us to navigate seasons of uncertainty and specifically for us to navigate grief and loss. It does us no good to pretend like we're not facing grief, pain, fear, and loss when we are. But what we have to do is actually say, God, help me. Maybe join the, the words of the father of the possessed son. Lord, I, I believe you. I trust you. Help my unbelief. Help me in the places where I don't trust. May God enlarge your heart today through grief and loss. I pray that you would find the strength to trust. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Amen.